Thank you so much, Steph. That was a beautiful, heartfelt rendition of that song. I'm really honored to be here, and I'm so happy that God has provided the visual prompts for the for that song with the hills and valleys. They're all around us, aren't they? You know, it's funny, I, I tease my husband, uh, Carl, that whenever we come to Vermont, I call it Carl's country. I'm like, oh, we're in Carl's country. I love this place. It is truly beautiful here. But it's beautiful in this room because each one of you are here. And I, I am very, very moved, very touched um, to, to be here with you. I'm very honored. Um, I do believe God has taught me through a, a lot through uh, my life. And... I'm always eager to share those lessons um, because, um, you know, if you can learn from someone else's pain, that's the easiest way, the best way to learn a lesson, right? Than having to go through your own. Um, Am I doing this right, Christian? Let's see. We'll figure this out. Nope. There we go. Wow, I'm going through the whole thing. What's that? Flip it over like this. I'm going backwards now. Other way? Okay. I'll get it. Oh, now we're going through that. Okay, here we go. Yay! All right. Um, I want to start with the scripture as we talk about joy and suffering. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And that's Psalm 35. God um, does allow us to go through things in this life. And sometimes we can get mad at him for putting us through those things. But I truly believe the heart of God is to bring us through suffering to great joy and greater joy than we would have had without it. As Kristen referred to, um, I was married for 36 years, to uh, a boy I met at the bus stop who lived right across the street from me. And I I knew from the time I was 10 and 11, 10 and 11, knew each other. And um, we grew up together, we went to college together. We became Christians about around the same time frame uh, when we were college students. And... He was someone that I had an incredible relationship with. You know, I always used to tell people, I don't have a marriage, I have a love affair. That's the way I felt about him. And um, after I lost him, I'd say things like, how come some women don't even like their husbands? And they get to keep them for years and years and years. And I adored mine. I truly adored him. And we had a wonderful life together. We have three children, three boys. Um, My oldest is married, so I have two grandchildren, which I'm very proud about them. But when my husband went, he went out for a jog in 2015, uh, January 25th, actually. And he um, never came home. He never came home. And we found out that he died of a massive heart attack. uh, Less than about a mile from home. And needless to say, this rocked my world quite a bit. And I I would always say, you know, I, I've gone through a lot in my life. I've lost a brother. 
I, we've almost lost, we almost lost our youngest son. Um, we've, I, you know, I have had some challenging things in my life, um, but I always said, you know, if I've got him, Brad, I can get through those things. Well, that was what seemed so unfair about this. I was going through the hardest time in my life, and I didn't have Brad to go through with it with. And that made it really hard for me. But I did have God, and that made all the difference. Even though this rocked my world, I continued teaching. We had actually moved to Florida to help take care of, back to Florida, to, to take care of our widowed mothers. And um, so I continued to take care of my mother and Brad's mother, as well as work, um, full-time teaching. Um, and then both our moms died about a year and a half, within a year and a half after losing Brad. In 2015, I um, decided to come visit my friend Laura Fix and went on a date. They fixed us up they, with Carl, and the rest is history. We were... We pretty much hit the ground running, and uh, we promptly fell in love. I retired, got married, moved to New Hampshire, and sometimes I stand in my kitchen and I go, whose life is this? How did I get here? This was a, it was a whirlwind. But it's been wonderful. It's been incredible. And my saying is, who hits the lottery twice? Because I, I really feel like God has blessed me so much, so abundantly, with two wonderful men in my life. Um, but I want you to understand something very, very clearly. Um, and this is a really important point to me. I found joy through my suffering before I even knew Carl Christensen existed. Before I even knew he was, you know, available or on the map or however you want to say it. I found my joy. Because some people would look, oh, of course you're happy now. You're married. It's all... That's not it. In fact, one of the things that attracted both of us to each other is that we didn't let losing our spouses, because he lost his wife about a year before I'd lost Brad, we didn't let losing our spouses define us. And we still found joy in the Lord. And we both had many similar lessons that we learned that we were able to share. But... The question is, how does God want us want to lead us to joy through our suffering? That's really the question here. And we're going to talk about several things. You know, suffering produces perseverance. We're going to talk about that. Suffering gives us a heavenly perspective. Suffering draws us closer to others. And suffering draws us closer to God. You know, being a teacher for 12 years, I taught middle school. I know, I'm crazy, middle school crazy. Um, but I, I like to think at life as kind of a big classroom. And God is trying to teach us lessons. In fact, I really hope that you realize today God has a message just for you. There's not, it's not an accident you're here. There's something today for you. That God has brought you here for some reason. And I hope by saying that, you maybe listen in a different way. Because it's that, I want to learn what God wants me to learn here. And not just, it, it might be from a song, it might be from a prayer, it might be from something I say. But something today could really be helpful to you. 
Maybe not even right now, but farther on down the road. But if you think of life as a big classroom, you can think of God is trying to teach us lessons. And this statement has always been a lot to me, but I think because of what I've, I've gone through, it, it means more. Pain is a teacher if you let it. Pain is a teacher if you let it. So when you think about what suffering can teach us, can produce in us, suffering can change us in ways that nothing else can. Because, you know, you learn the most when you're in the valleys. The hills, the mountaintops, that's when you enjoy the lessons you learned in the valleys. But the valley is where you learn the tough things in life that make you stronger. And so today we're going to talk about these different things. And the first thing I want to talk about is that suffering does produce perseverance. And I love this scripture. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, the word consider actually means think. Think of suffering, trials, with pure joy, as pure joy. When I remember reading that scripture, it's a very challenging scripture. I remember first reading that. I'm like, are you crazy? That joy? Or what, I'm a masochist? You know, what does that mean? Consider it pure joy. But the word consider actually means think about. It means think about it in a certain way. You know, I'm so glad God doesn't command emotions. He doesn't do that. He commands us to think about things in a certain way, and our emotions come from our thinking. So if we think in the right way, our emotions hopefully will follow our thinking. So if we think about it as pure joy, we have a different perspective of the trials we go through. God doesn't just snap his fingers and say, okay, you're going through something hard, just get happy. Get happy. You know, I used to do that with my kids. Oh, please forgive me, children. <laughs> you know, you, you, it's not as simple as that. You can't just... Flick the switch and your emotions change. It takes training your mind, believing the scriptures more than you believe yourself, your emotions. When he talks about whenever you face trials of many kind, you know, um, face actually means experience or to fall into. It's actually the same Greek word that comes from the, uh, the story of the Good Samaritan when the man fell into the hands of robbers. It's when you fall into something. It's, um, you know, I'm from Florida. We have sinkholes in Florida. And you'd look on the news and it would say, you know, they'd be interviewing a man. I was just sitting in my living room and suddenly the floor just dropped out from under me. That's what a sinkhole does. And, you know, and that, when that happens, you think about, that's what sometimes trouble in our way, trials in our way, is like. It's like the bottom falls out, and you are bewildered and dazed and paralyzed, and you don't know what is happening. 
and it can really um, just kind of disorient you, panic you, confuse you. You just don't know what's going on. Um, and, you know, the Bible says trials of many kind. Um, you know, they can be emotional, physical, mental, spiritual, uh, a loss of a loved one, definitely. But it can be a loss of health, either your health or someone else that you love's health. Um, dealing with sexual abuse, rape, loss of job, loss of home, financial problems, betrayal, infidelity, loss of friendships, loss of a beloved pet, divorce, mental health problems, children leaving God, frustration at work, a besetting sin in yourself, disappointment with how your marriage has turned out, disappointed that you're not married, Chronic relationship problems. Physical issues that linger. Maybe it's not cancer, but it just goes on and on and on and and affects your life. And, you know, it's easy to believe that God loves us when everything's going our way. When things are going well. But we've got to trust that we have a loving Father, no matter what's going on. I'm so inspired by something I read about on the walls of concentration camp. They found this etched in the wall. I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. I believe in love even when I don't feel it. And I believe in God even when he is silent in a concentration camp. Now that's trust. I love uh, Lauren Daigle's song, and this really ministered to me. Um, She's a Christian songwriter and singer, and she, this song meant so much to me when I was going, and it still does, um, when I was going through my loss. But it's a line that there's a there's a stanza that says, um, "When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through." When you don't give the answers as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. And it's making the decision, I'm going to view God through the lens, I'm not going to view God through the lenses of my circumstance. I'm going to view my circumstance through the lens of God. So that if I know God is love, I choose to look at everything that happens in my life as love. I might not like it, I might not understand it, but that's considering it pure joy because of what it can produce in our life. Um, You know, we need to build strong foundations so that when we go through trial, we're prepared. And are, Are you ever really prepared? No, you're not in one way. You're not. But, you know, it's, you can, you can build when you're going through a tri- trial, you can build your faith, of course. If you build it before, during, and after, that's the best solution. But sometimes we can wait, and it's harder when we go through things to build our faith. But, you know, that um, sometimes you've heard the 
the expression, oh, time heals all wounds. I'm, te- I'm here to tell you that is not true. It is not. It's what you do in that time that heals the wounds or not. They'll stay wounds unless you're very purposeful about healing and trusting and moving forward. You know, perseverance is really needed when you are in a race. My husband, Brad, actually, he did the Boston Marathon a, a couple times when we lived in Boston. And um, he, the training was quite extensive, you know. And he would go out and he would run and run and run. And I'm like, and how long is it? Oh, he says, you know, it's going to take him about four hours to, to run this thing. And I'm going, I don't even like driving four hours. <laughs> you know, and... But he loved it. And he would always say, you know, I've heard if you can run 13, if you can run half a marathon, you can do the whole thing. I'm like, really? But he would, he spent a lot of time training. And really, when we're going through a hard time, it, it's God training us to finish our race. Because we, are, we can grow, we can become stronger, we can grow in our trust. Um, because we don't give up. We're pushing through. We're... Keeping on, keeping on. That's what perseverance is. It's not giving up when everything in you wants to give up. When you're holding on by your fingernails. But you keep holding on. You know, I love the part where it says, let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So many times when something bad happens, we think that God's trying to take something away from us, but he's actually trying to give us whatever is lacking in our life, the thing that maybe could keep us out of heaven or away from him or take us away from him. And when I I alluded to something that happened to me when um, my youngest was born with some, some challenges, physical challenges, and we, you know, he had five hours surgery the day after he was born, and we went through a lot for about a couple years with him, not knowing if he was going to live. Uh, and um, I had a friend uh, call me, and she said, Lori, I just want you to know, you know, she had lost two children, and uh, I hadn't spoken to her. She was a friend growing up. She said, I've lost two children. She said, but I, I want you to know that um, God allowed this to happen. He didn't necessarily, he didn't cause it. He allowed it. You know, this, this world say it. In this world, we will have trouble. Jesus said that. We will have trouble. She said, but I know how he expects us to respond. And I was so encouraged by her faith. For her to say that after losing two children. And at that time, I was struggling with a lot of bitterness. Like, why is this happening to me? And I never thought, you know, I'm, I wasn't prepared for that. But I look back at that time and the faith. I learned from that whole situation as going through it and really trying to reflect an attitude of faith and trust. I think it prepared me for losing Brad later. I've got to believe that, that God built on that to bring me to that point. Suffering gives us a heavenly perspective. In all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. 
Though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. It's First Peter 1, actually 6 through 9. I love that because um, trials really help us long for something better. Um, it helps us get not to, it, it helps us not get too comfortable with the world that we live in, and try to make this our home. You know that old song, "The world's not my home. I'm just passing through." You know, really, when you think about it, our lives last about ten seconds in the grand scheme of things. The Bible calls our life a mist. So you take some hairspray and spray it. That's about how long our life lasts. It's gone. It's over. And we can let earthly pleasures, dreams of comfort, crowd out the joys of heaven if we're not careful. And I remember that um, a very good friend of mine, after Brad died, he called me, Gordon Ferguson, he and his wife mentored Brad and I when we lived in Boston. And he told me, he said, well, Lori, um, one thing that losing someone that you love does, it helps us detach from this world. And I'll always remember that. Because we do get too attached. And God doesn't want us to, to think this is the final, our final resting place. It is not. And, but we sometimes lose that focus. Everything we see around us is temporary. Max Lucada says, God allows us to experience the frailty of human love, so we appreciate the strength of his. Because human love, or the things that we experience here on earth, compared to God, God is so much greater than anything on this earth. Suffering draws us closer to others. Um, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has not want, no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Ecclesiastes 4, 9. Through 12. I don't know how I would have gotten through what I did without friends. You know, I tend, you know, a lot of times when we become Christians, we are an overly dependent type person and we have to learn to be a little bit more independent or we're an independent person that has to learn how to depend a little bit more. Well, I'm definitely the independent type. So it's been good for me to have to depend on others, to let someone help me. And I had a lot of friends that listened to me hour after hour. They cried with me. I, had a, I have a friend, Meg. She sent me a card, a letter, a postcard, a present every day for a year. Wow. Every single day for a year. I especially sought out friends who had suffered their own loss in order to learn from them. I spent time with people 
who'd gone through hard things and found God and found joy beyond the suffering. I love this story. This guy's walking down the street when he falls in a hole. The walls are so steep he can't get out. A doctor passes by and the guy shouts up, Hey, you, can you help me out? The doctor writes a prescription, throws it down in the hole, and moves on. (laughs) Then a religious man comes along, and the guy shouts up, Hey, I'm down here in this hole. Can you help me out? The guy writes a prayer, throws it down in the hole, moves on. Then a friend walks by. Hey, Joe, it's me. Can you help me out? And the friend jumps in the hole. Our guy says, Are you stupid? Now we're both down here. The friend says, yeah, but I've been here before and I know the way out. And don't you love those friends that will jump down that hole with you? They'll cry with you and they'll help you find the way out because they found the way out. And suffering draws us closer to God. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 34:18. You know, our trials really teach us that there's no greater friend in this world than God. No one knows you better. No one loves you more. No one knows everything you've gone through but God. And no one's better at comforting, strengthening, encouraging us than God. You know, when I was going through a really hard time, um, in you know, I was teaching, and I remember praying on my way to school one day that God would... I said, God, I don't even want you to bless me. I just want you, I just want to see the blessings that I have. Because I know I'm so fogged by my grief, I can't even see the blessings. And I remember walking down the ramp, going to my classroom, and right across the street from my my classroom was a funeral home, believe it or not. Lovely thing to look at every day. But what I had, and I had noticed the funeral home several times. I'm like, why? The funeral home right there. But what I'd never noticed before were there were magnolia trees planted in front of the funeral home. And the reason that's significant to me is my husband always had a saying, Brad always had a saying, that you have to treat your wife like a magnolia blossom. You know, you've got to be tender with them. Because they bruise. They can bruise pretty easily. And you have to be tender. And he used to teach other men that. And I love that, you know. Um, And so when I saw those magnolia blossoms, those trees, I'm like, okay, that's God showing me. I had an incredible blessing with a wonderful man. You know, a lot of people never have that. And it really opened my eyes. But so many times I'd be on my way to school. And I would, I, I, you know, I just wanted to stay in bed that day. I just wanted to pull the covers over and let the world go on without me. But I made myself go. And, you know, I would pray for encouragement. It never failed. God would, you know, send a child would come up and give me a sweet note or somebody give me a hug or, you know, something, something encouraging always would happen. But my message from God I got about that is, Do you get how much I love you, Lori? Do you get that I will never, ever leave you? Don't you know 
I didn't spare my own son for you. I let my son go to the cross for you. That's how precious you are to me. What else can I do to prove my love for you? Won't I graciously give you all things? And I learned how to trust God more than I ever had had before. And that's the ironic thing about it. I had a, I have, going through what I have gone through, I feel closer to God. I feel more loved by God. I feel more, a more intimate relationship with him. And I really believe this scripture. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. When we see God through the pain, the suffering, and the trials, and find him, we will find everlasting joy. so much. That was amazing and um, kind of hard to be up here after that. But <laughs> So what, what we're going to do now, um, we're going to transition.